Amen. Amen, amen. Father, we are so thankful for this morning. Lord, you are the cornerstone, Lord, and it's your foundation, Lord, that we want to stand upon. Lord, uh, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for the worship, Lord, and may we um, just honor and glorify you as we listen to your word, and may you grow and sanctify us, Lord. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, I am not Pastor Bruce. Uh, it's pretty clear by that. Pastor Bruce is somewhere in um, Texas uh, preaching, I believe, at a missions conference or something of that like. And so uh, here we are. Um, and I've said this, I said this in the first service, you know, we have the pulpit out today because I'm not cool enough like the other pastors to use the table. Uh, they're all cooler than I am and I, I still need this. <laughs> so uh, if you don't know who I am, I'm John. I'm the associate pastor here at Cross Point. Um, love to meet you if we haven't met before, and so come on over and say hi, hello to me. Uh, but we will be in the book of Ephesians this morning, the book of Ephesians chapter 4. So you can make your way there, Ephesians chapter 4. It's probably, actually it is, it is my, this book is my favorite book in the entire Bible, Ephesians. So a little nugget for you to there's ever like a, do you know your pastor? What book does he like? It's Ephesians. <laughs> All right. Now, as some of you uh, may know, um, <clears throat> you know, I have, I have three kids, two boys, and my, my youngest daughter, my, my sweet daughter, my pumpkin, yeah. Uh, she's, not, none of my kids are here, so she's my favorite. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> no, I can't say that. I can't say that. No, but I have three kids, and my oldest, Marcus, uh, my son, He's in first grade, and he goes to school right over here at Liberty. He's in first grade. Yay, Liberty. All right. And, uh, you know, now, I haven't, you know, first grade to me has been a long, long, long time ago. And, you know, I'm telling you, you know, first grade, it's not a joke. It's no joke anymore. You know, I mean, the second week, Marcus comes home, and he comes home with this packet, this packet. And and, and my wife says, hey, this is his homework packet. Okay, we're going to have to help him with his homework throughout the week. And I, I look at her, I'm like, what do you mean homework? Who does homework in the first grade? Like, this, this actually exists? Like, I, I didn't know this, right? I mean, I don't ever remember doing homework in the first grade. And that could be because I just never did it, okay? But that being said, like, I just, I never, I mean, this is, the standard is outstanding to me right now. And, and of course, my wife, Kristen, she's saying, like, no, he needs it. Okay, it's good for him. He needs to learn the materials that have been taught to him. Homework will help him learn, right? Learn and oh, that process of learning. Oh man, right? We've all been there learning new things, like learning in school. And you know, when you really think about it, learning, learning is hard. Learning is hard. Maybe, maybe it's easy for some of you, okay? But for me, learning has always been difficult. The homework. The memorization, the, stu- the intentional studying of the material. It takes a lot of focus and energy in, uh, to, do, to learn something well. And usually there's a parallel, right, between, uh, you know, the best learner and the best student, right? There's usually a parallel. Um, you know, again, I don't know about some of you guys, but in my undergraduate years, I was not the best student, um, which meant I was not the best learner. I actually... I was that guy that had the mentality, C's get degrees, right? Am I right? I mean, it does. It does, okay? Now, don't misunderstand me, students, okay? 
Don't go home and say, I heard in a sermon, I'm going to get C's. Okay, don't do that. All right, I just need to make that disclaimer there. Okay, please work your hardest and try your hardest. Don't aim for the C. <laughs> but I remember, you know, like just that, that was my attitude because it was just so hard. It was just so hard. And, and I, when I entered into seminary, obviously my mentality changed. So don't worry. During seminary, my mantra was not C's, get degrees in seminary. Okay, I did my best and I tried my hardest. But I remember for the first time in my life, I, I really tried to buckle down and, and be a good learner, right? Be, be the best learner that I could be. And it was just, it was hard. It was extremely hard. I mean, you know, went through my whole life not studying somehow, right? But I, I, I get here and I need to study now. And I remember in the beginning of my seminary career, you know, a 150-page book, you know, yay big, you know, not too, you know, just pretty thin, not too big, uh, would take me approximately 10 to 12 hours to read. That is a whopping speed of 15 pages an hour. That's pretty slow, okay? Uh, and that's where I began, and that's where I started. And it was a hard road ahead, and I, and I just had to really intentionally learn and try to be a good student, right? Studying the books, studying what the Bible said in depth, trying to memorize everything so that I can regurgitate it at a moment's notice. It was just plain hard. Point being, as I think many of us can relate to, learning is hard. Learning is hard. Even if understanding comes to you very easily, if you're one of the smart ones and you're just like, I just read it once and I got it, the process of learning is still difficult because you still need uh, to work at it. You still need to invest in it. And it requires some level of discipline, if not a lot of discipline. But the rewards are great, right? What you learn, you now know. And you take that knowledge and you use it in your life. Think about it. Every one of us who works, right, what we've learned in life or in school, we use in our jobs, Monday through Friday, right? Some of us actually have jobs that specifically require a degree from an institution that says, hey, You've learned the material. You know what you're talking about so that you can do this job. And without that degree, we couldn't do the job. Right? There's a direct correlation there. And here's where I'm really going with this idea of learning and for our passages this, this morning. Right? Big idea up front. We all need to learn our Bibles. We all need to learn our Bibles. Not just knowing the Sunday school story. That's, that's good and all. But we really need to, to learn the Word of God in an in-depth way. Because here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. Just like what you learn at school, you use on a day-to-day -day basis in your job, right? How well you learn the Bible is going to directly affect your day-to-day -day living. Because the Bible is, is what tells us how we honor God, how we glorify God, how we live for Him. And so how well we understand and learn the scriptures is directly correlated to how pleasing you are to God in your life. Right? That's where we're going to be. Really, the passage this morning that we're going to see, right, is to say that our mind, our understanding of scripture affects our daily living. Two simple points we'll see in Ephesians 4, verses 17 to 24 this morning. Two simple points. A worldly life because of a worldly mind and a godly life because of a godly mind. Let's jump into the first point, a worldly life because of a worldly mind. Let me read for us, starting in verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, 
that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. In this portion of Ephesians, Paul is exhorting the Christians at Ephesus. Starting in chapter 4, verse 1, he, he does these several exhortations of how he wants the Christians to live. And where we find ourselves this morning is in the second exhortation. This is the second, like, hey, I want you to live in this way. And his exhortation starts by indicating how a Christian should not live. How a Christian should not live. He says, right, you can no longer, and I'm going to use the word live, as a Gentile. Because the idea of walk, if you're looking at the scripture, the idea of walk there, right, is like a day-to-day living. Because if you think back in the old times, right, in the ancient times, how did you get from point A to point B? You walked there, right? You walked all the time. You walked every day. And so walking was kind of just this idea of like, well, this is how I live. This is what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. And so it's okay to say, right, like, right, you must no longer live as Gentiles do. And here, Gentiles is referring to a lifestyle. It has an Old Testament background here, right? You got to think about Old Testament. There was the Jews who believed in God of the Old Testament, and then there was everybody else. And everybody else was considered Gentiles, the nations, so to speak, right? And they did not believe in the God of the Old Testament. And so you had believers and unbelievers, essentially, is the idea here, right? And so to live like a Gentile was a lifestyle of an unbeliever, right? A lifestyle of someone who did not follow after God. And so when Paul says, you can no longer live as a Gentile, like a Gentile, he's saying you can't live like your pre-salvation life. Right? Pre-Christ life. Post-salvation, post-Christ, your lifestyle must be different. Even if that difference is simply a hard attitude. Which, by the way, is a huge change. The attitude itself is huge. Right? But there has to be a change. Now, Paul digs in to this difference. Right? He says you can't live like Gentiles do because Gentiles live in the futility of their minds. Now here's, the, here's that big connection here. you got to see that connection that Paul just made in that. The reason we cannot live like Gentiles is because their mind is all messed up. Their mind is all messed up. Paul connects how one lives with the life, uh, how one lives their life with how the mind thinks. And we begin to see, right, like my point in this first point, right, the worldly life because of a worldly mind. Paul expands on this fertility of the mind, right, this, this mind that's going nowhere. He says in verse 18, they, being the Gentiles, those who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, they are darkened in their understanding. In other words, they have no understanding of Christ. They lack that understanding. Paul is specifically choosing the word darkened to contrast light. God is in the light as his truth is in the light. In order to be a child of the light, you have to know the light. Therefore, to have a darkened understanding indicates that you don't know the light and your understanding is far from it. Just as the next few words say, right? They are darkened in their understanding, 
being alienated from the life of God. Why? Continue, because of the ignorance that is in them. There it is again. Paul hammering home the idea, the person who doesn't believe in Christ, their understanding, their mind is due to an ignorance, an ignorance of the truth. And why do they have this ignorance that is in them? It is all because of the hardness of their heart. Now, we're told a lot that the mind and heart are different, right? Uh, uh, There's a distinction there. And the difference in distinction is usually explained along the lines of, the mind is just knowledge, right? And the heart is where, like, the belief, the passions, and the conviction lie, right? Because So you can know something, but it doesn't mean you believe it, right? For example, you can know that there's a person named Jesus Christ. You can know that he went to the cross and died on the cross for the forgiveness of sins, but that doesn't mean you believe it, right? It doesn't mean you believe it. It doesn't mean you have passion for that gospel message, Okay? And that distinction is helpful. It's helpful to distinguish between belief and knowledge. Because right? just because you know it doesn't mean you actually believe it. But when we speak of the mind, at least in this context, at least in this context, right, the mind here is indicating a, an understanding. They're not talking about simple facts and knowledge. It's, it's an understanding. And when we talk about understanding, that is intricately connected with the heart. And so the logic goes in, this, in these few verses, right? A hardened heart indicates a darkened mind. And a darkened mind indicates a hardened heart. They go hand in hand. They're together. If you lack understanding of the truth of God's word, your heart will be hardened to his word. Right? If you have a hardened heart to his word, it is because you lack understanding of the truth of God's word. And that's, that's, that's what's being stated here. Right? He's, and he's, again, he's hammering home, and obviously like, our heart is going to make us what we do, what we live. And again, we begin to see that interconnectedness of life and understanding of the mind. And as it says in verse 19, as we continue, right, they have become callous. Those who lack understanding of the truth, those who are far from God, those who do not know what the Scripture says, uh, uh, what, how we should live, They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. In other words, they're going to live unrighteous, worldly lives because of their mind, because of their lack of understanding. And we begin to to see this picture, this, this complete picture of, again, yes, a person who lives a worldly life is because they have a worldly mind. You can't miss the connection here. Right? Living that worldly life, living in sin, living in a manner that is not pleasing to God is completely connected to how you understand God and his word. Now Paul is using a negative example here. Right? He's going to get positive in a little bit. Right? But the foundation has been set. You live the way you live. You do the actions that you do because that is the understanding you have. That is the understanding you have of God and his word. And that's what your mind believes you should be doing and living. Later, at the end of this year, uh, Kristen, my wife, and I, we're going to be celebrating our 10-year anniversary. 10-year anniversary. And I like to reminisce a lot. Um, I'm one of those. I like to think, like, oh, you know, how did our marriage go? And all the nice times that we've had. And often I think back to when we were dating. And there's this one moment when we were dating that I remember 
very distinctly, very, very distinctly. Uh, we were dating for about a couple months, and we were in a car northbound driving down the 405, or driving north of the 405, okay? So that's how much I remember this. And I'm in this car, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I was still in that stage of, like, I need to impress this girl so that she'll marry me, you know? <laughs> I need to impress, I need to look good for this girl. And, you know, sometimes I ask her, like, when did... You know, when did, uh, you know, you know you were going to marry me? And, of course, it was like the first time she saw me, right? But anyways, but, <laughs> but of course, right? But, no, I'm still trying to impress this girl. And so I'm driving in the car, and I'm thinking in my mind, what can I do? What can I do to just knock her off her feet? What, how can I impress her so much that if I were to propose right there and then, she was going to be like, oh, yes, of course, right? That's my goal. And I think to myself, and I remember, oh, I remember. Ever since I was a kid, uh, I always wanted to be uh, a kind of like one of those voice actors, okay, where you make all these voices and, you know, it sounds real. And I believed, I believed since childhood until that moment in time, although it was never confirmed, right, I believed I had the best, most immaculate pigeon sound. I, totally weird. I don't know why I thought pigeon. I don't know why I thought I would do a pigeon sound. But I'm thinking in this, in this moment in the car, how can I impress this girl? I'm going to do for her the best impersonation of a pigeon ever. <laughs> Guys, this is not how you win girls over, okay? But that's what I thought in my mind, okay? This is what I'm going to do. And so I tell her, I was like, hey, I have in this entire world the most perfect pigeon sound. You're going to think a real pigeon is flying in this car when I give you this sound. And so she's excited, actually. She's like, I want to hear this. I want to hear this sound. And I'm excited to impress this girl, right? Because then she will marry me because of the pigeon sound, right? <laughs> and so I prepare myself. I clear my throat, <clears throat> you know, and pucker my lips, everything, do what I need to do, okay? And I, and I give the noise. And of course, my wife, my loving, most gracious wife, immediately laughs at me. <laughs> She's just, I mean, she's cracking up. She's bursting out laughing. And it must have been the look on my face to think that, like, oh, wait, this is serious. <laughs> and she, she goes, and after she stops laughing, she's like, oh, wait, wait, was that it? <laughs> and I, I'm thinking, like, what do you mean was that it? Of course that was it. I mean, did you not think pigeons were flying in our car? Right? And, and she goes, and, you know, she's, she realizes I'm being really serious at this point. She's like, oh, wait, 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 okay, wait, wait, do it again. Try it again. Like, try, I, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. Try it again. I said, okay, no, let, me, let me do it again, right? And so I was a little hesitant because she was laughing at me, but I was like, let me, let me, let me do it again, right? And so I, I, again, prepare myself, and I do what I even think is better than the sound before. And again, my loving, gracious wife laughs. <laughs> let me say this. I haven't done that sound ever since then, <laughs> right? And, of course, as we got married and progressed, I also realized that I can't sing either, and uh, I can't carry a tune. And um, yeah, I always tell you know people around here, you know, if we, if we need to cut down on members in Crosspoint, let me lead worship. Everybody will leave. <laughs> I mean, that's just how bad it is, right? Uh, you know, at the time, my understanding, my understanding was, man, I had the best pigeon sound, and it led to a certain action that day, which was you know trying to impress her with this. The sound. Well, I also thought the understanding would, that would actually impress her. So I had two strikes already, right? That that sound would actually impress her and that I actually could do it. But the point is my understanding led to a certain action, right? And that's the idea here. 
That's the idea here, right? As we understand the word of God, as we learn the word of God and, and understand what the Lord Jesus is saying, that's going to lead to a certain action. Or vice versa, as this kind of a negative example, the lack of understanding or a wrong understanding is going to lead to a certain life, right? A life that may not be pleasing to the Lord, right? And that's what's kind of going on here. That's what Paul's doing. He's exhorting the Christians to live in a certain manner or to not live in this, in this case, not live in a certain manner. And the foundation laid is that he's connecting it with your understanding of God's word, your understanding of Christ. And he continues that connection. Now he's going to be more positive. Right, and this next point that we see, a godly life because of a godly mind. And it, look down with me in verse 20. It reads, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus. To put off the old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And look at verse 20, right? It says, you know, he's, he's putting the contrast here, right? right? You don't live this way, and you don't live that way because why? That is not the way you learned Christ. Super interesting how Paul makes this, right? He points to what they've learned as the reason for why they shouldn't live in this manner, right? This wicked manner. Super interesting statement. And again, we see that connection between understanding and life. This is uh, how we, you, have, you can't miss that here, how we live on a day-to-day -day basis. A key component of it is our understanding of God's word, right, our understanding of Christ. Really, if you understood verses 17 to 19, verse 20 makes perfect sense. And so let's dig into that a little bit because that's where we're going, right, this learning, right? Let's dig in. What does it mean to learn Christ. What does it mean to learn Christ? Because this is an important connection. First and foremost, what does it mean? First and foremost, the learning has to do with the person. The learning has to do with the person. Which means this. This learning process necessitates a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You cannot begin to learn the truth of God's word without first, by God's grace, believing in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Right, who died on the cross for the forgiveness of sins for all those who would believe in him. Learning starts with faith in Christ. It has to begin there. Okay. Second, to say that we're to learn Christ is to say that we're to learn everything about him, the big details and the small details. Everything, import, everything is important about him. Some may be more important than others. Right? There's levels of importance, but it's all important still. And Christ is the truth. He is the word that became flesh. In other words, to learn Christ, as I've been kind of already saying, is to learn our Bibles. Right? Because Christ is not walking among us right now. And the only way that we can learn Christ, the only way that we can know Christ is through the Scriptures. It's through the Bible. Right? And, the uh, and the learning here means serious study of Scripture. I'm not talking about just simply knowing, again, the, the Bible stories, right? Like knowing Jonah and the big fish, Daniel and the lion's den, or Jesus' birth story, or the feeding of the 5,000. This is all good and all. It's good to know these stories. I'm not saying you shouldn't know these stories. But we need to do more with it. 
We need to figure out and understand the theological truth that undergirds these events, these historical events, that which then guide us in how to live a life that's pleasing to God. And here's the thing, right? I, I might have said a word that was a, potentially a little scary for some of you, right? This word theology, right? Theology can be scary for some people. Because people think like, oh, man, theology, that's, that's the work of scholars. Or, you know, or, or, or that's what pastors do. There's no way I can do theology. But here's the reality. Here's the reality. We all do it. We all do theology, right? Theology in its most simple form is just a study of God. And then by, by implication, the study of God's word. And we all have thoughts about God. All of us. We all have thoughts about the Bible. We all have thoughts about how we should live, right? And so the question isn't so much, you know, are we doing theology? Are we theologians, right? We all, we all are. We're, every single one of us in this room is a theologian because we all have thoughts of the Bible and all have thoughts of how we should live and everything like that. The question more is, are we good theologians? Are we doing good theology, right? Or is it so-so theology or potentially even bad theology? Every single one of us does it. And that's why I said earlier, when you think through that, like, the, again, the process of learning is hard. I get it. And, you know, and it's difficult. It's not easy. It's not an easy road. I mean, it's already hard enough to sit down with our Bibles in a quiet place just to read it. Just to read it. Let alone read and study in-depthly. Right? And so it is difficult. That makes sense. But... But again, that doesn't negate the fact that we do need to study the Bible like a, almost like a textbook so that we can understand what God is saying, telling us, exhorting us, commanding us, and how we should live our lives. And then, therefore, we go and live it. Right? To, know, to know right from wrong. There's no way we can know right from wrong unless we learn it from the Scriptures. Right? Finally, just to hammer home the point, as we've kind of been saying, right, to learn Christ is to say that learning and living go hand in hand. Right? I mean, I'm just hammering home the point at this point. It's lear that learning and living go hand in hand. You cannot separate how you live your life on a daily basis from how much you've learned the truth of Scripture. Right? Theology isn't theoretical. Some people like to think that. But theology is actually immensely practical because, again, what you know of God and what you know of the word is going to be directly correlated to your life. Take this for example. If I were to bring up stage someone who's been Christian for 20 years, okay, 20 years, and then right next to them I brought up someone who just placed their faith in Christ today. Okay, so you got the 20-year Christian and the one who just placed their faith. And I asked the question, okay, who's more likely to live a life that's in, more, that's in accordance with Scripture at this moment in time? Right? Most of us will say, well, the 20-year-old Christian, right? Why? Because he spent time in the Word. He or she spent time in the Word. They, they've heard sermons, perhaps read books, and, and self-study of Scripture, right? They, they understand the truth of God's Word more because they've been in it for 20 years. And we would naturally think someone who's been in the Word for 20 years and understands it correctly in the right way would live according that way, right? It's just natural to think that. And, of course, the, the new believer Right? No, nothing against that person because they just believe. We wouldn't expect them to understand and know what God wants of them. Henceforth, why we need to study and learn 
so that we continually live a life that's pleasing to God. But here's a moment of reflection now, right? It's not about the number of years you've been Christian. It really isn't. You could have been a Christian for 20 years, but have never taken seriously the study of Scripture. Right? Which means your understanding of truth could still be in its infant stage. In fact, you know mature Christian not by the number of years they've been Christian, but by how they live their lives. And as we look in this passage, right, how they live their lives is then connected to their understanding of the truth of God's word. It's a key component. It's not everything, but it's a key component. This is why Paul says in verse 21, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Paul is not suggesting that, uh, uh, that he's doubting the faith of the Ephesians. He's using this as more of a, this, this conditional statement as a more of a rhetorical effect. He's saying, indeed, you have heard the gospel. And indeed, you have heard of Christ. And indeed, you were taught Christ. Right? And back then, back in Paul's time, the way a Christian learned, his, learned Christ was to be taught him. It's not like today where we have more avenues. We have the Bible in front of us. They didn't have that. Right? Their primary means of learning Christ was being taught Christ. But for us, we have, we have teachers, we, we have books, and more importantly, we have the scripture itself to learn. The point being is that the Ephesians believers learned Christ because they were taught Christ, and this then produced a product in their life, a way they lived. Look down at verse 22, right? They were taught and therefore learned to put off the old self, which belonged to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. In other words, you're going to live a life that is different from your pre-salvation days, right? This is kind of a repetition of verses 17 and 19. Right, but in a more positive way, you're, you're not going to do this. You're going to put it off. You're going to actively not seek to live this kind of life because you understand truth. You know Christ. You know what he wants of you. They were taught and therefore learned that God, by his grace, is going to be, be renewing the spirit of their mind. In other words, as we learn God's word, the work of the Holy Spirit and God's grace will transform our minds to believe and desire godly things. And put away the desires of the sinful things. Right? And then finally you see that they were taught and therefore learned to put on the new self. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. In other words, they learned how to live pleasing and honoring lives to God because, again, of their understanding of God's word. It's connected. I'm just hammering this point home. It's completely connected. Right? Learning theology, learning our Bibles, learning what God wants of us is immensely important and requires our intentional effort to do so. Uh, I used to be, um, before I ever became a pastor, I used to be a math teacher. Not for very long, um, but I did it for some time. And uh, my undergraduate degree was in mathematics. And you think about math, right? You, you know, everybody, everybody, a lot of people don't like math, right? Because it's hard. Like the process of learning math <clears throat> is just hard. And in, you think about it, it starts, it takes years. It takes years to learn math, right? Because it begins, really, when you're a kid, and you learn your ones and twos and threes and fours, right? And somewhere in kindergarten, you begin to learn your addition and subtraction, right? And eventually, as you progress, you learn about multiplication and division. And somewhere in junior high, you may get into, uh, you know, algebra and geometry and 
If your geometry experience is like my geometry experience, for some reason we all hate geometry, okay, just wholeheartedly, we just don't like it, okay. And then somewhere, and if we progress in that, if we continue to move on, we, we may go to, you know, the algebra 2 and then trigonometry and then calculus. And then if you decide to go more math in college like I did, you start taking math classes that you can't even pronounce, okay. And that's just, that, it's just, just progression, but for most of us here, right, if we went through the school system, you've at least taken approximately 10 to 12 years of mathematics in your life. That's how long it took you to learn, quote, unquote, math, right? Because that, that's all of it there. And that progress, if we think about it, right, is, it was difficult. It's not easy, right? And uh, the, the farther we move along with studying math, the more we realize how deep math is. Right? And, the, and the farther we move along math, the more we begin to understand, like, we can't just memorize formulas anymore because if we don't understand the formulas, we won't know how to use it. Right? You know, things like y equals mx plus b or a squared plus b squared equals c squared or that's tangent equals sine over cosine. And if I just brought you back to school, sorry about that, okay? <laughs> Bad memories probably learning that math stuff in class. Right? But the reality is those formulas don't make any sense unless you truly understand it. And as we progress, we need to increase our understanding. So it's okay to know and memorize, well, one plus one is two. We don't really need to understand that. One plus one is two. But as we progress, we need to know more about that. We need to understand the multiplication and why multiplication works and so on and so forth so that we can do the higher level math. All that to say is this. With math, obviously learning is hard. And if we parallel that with the Bible, it's going to be the same thing. It's not... You know, it's going to be hard. It's going to take work. But we need to progress. We need to go from the addition and subtraction to the calculus, right? We have to go from just simply reading our Bibles, which is great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't read your Bibles. We should all start there. But we need to go from reading our Bibles to studying it seriously, the Scriptures. We need to dig deep, right? We need to understand those theological significance, and the further we go in our understanding, the deeper we know about the Bible, the deeper we understand the Bible. And the deeper we understand the Bible, the more we understand what God wants of us, what he demands from us. And from that, we then, by his grace, live lives that are pleasing and honoring to him, created after the likeness of God. Right? The whole point is this process of learning, right, this is what we have to go through as Christians, right? We can't be afraid of theology. We can't be afraid of digging deep into our Bibles, right? Because that is the way of how we learn to live our daily lives. And so what do we do with all this? What do we do with all this? You know, it, was my, it was my hope and desire this morning to create that purpose, to, uh, to create an urgency, uh, a, a desire to be intentional in learning the Bible, in learning the scriptures. And to understand that theology is important and immensely practical. Because it affects the way we live. But let me try to put some flesh to the bones and provide a couple practical steps that we could take as we walk out this morning. Right? First, first it's read books. Read books about the Bible. Right? Godly people have written things that are probably better than most of us can talk about because they spent their whole entire lives studying it. So let's read some of those godly people. There's a wealth of resources out there. And if you don't know where to begin or start, just ask one of your leaders. We'll point you in the right direction. 
And as one member kindly pointed out to me earlier in the first service, it's not just reading books, but, you know, getting involved in the small groups here at Crosspoint. There's several small groups that we can get involved in, several classes that go on in a Sunday, right, that we can be involved in, that we can dig deeper into our Bibles, right? And we can just plug in and be in fellowship with one another as we sharpen each other, okay? Which leads to the second practical thing that we can do this morning the leaders of Crosspoint, we're committed to helping you guys all grow. We're committed to that. We're committed to helping you uh, have a deeper relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and having a deeper understanding of Scripture. Right? If you want to learn how to interpret your Bible, which is called hermeneutics, or you want to learn uh, theology, like some specific theology, like a theology of Christ, which is called Christology, or a theology of salvation, which is called soteriology, or maybe you just want to dig deeper in one particular book. Like, I want to learn the book of Ephesians. Let's take six to ten months just to go through it. Right, let's go through it slowly. If you want to do this, I ask this morning that you, you write that down in your connection card for us. You let us know what it is that you want to learn. And now here's a disclaimer. Okay, here's a disclaimer, right? You know, if you guys all write this down, okay, don't, you know, that doesn't mean that next week we're going to have ten different classes, okay, on a Sunday morning. And we're going to teach all these classes. This is... This is the way that, you know, the leaders want to be strategic with your responses, but we want to hear what you want to learn. We want to be strategic about it, and we want to, you know, help build a good, solid foundation so that you guys can be self-sufficient learners, right? And that you can study the scriptures on your own and, and just fellowship with God as you, as you read the Bible and, and just love it and meditate on it, and that affects your life and how you live. Really, at the end of the day... What I'm trying to say is let's strive. Let's strive to learn the word of God. Let's all do it. All right? We're not got to do it for the rest of our lives. Okay? It never ends. It's supposed to keep going no matter how young or how old. Let's strive to learn the word of God as best we can so that we may live lives that are honoring to God to the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful morning. We thank you for this time, Lord, that we may dig into your word, that we may dig into Ephesians 4 and, and just seek to understand what you're saying there, Lord, that, that it, is in, it is important that we understand the word of God. It is important that we learn Christ, that we learn truth. Lord, that, that theology and, and the Bible studies, Lord, they're, they're all practical because that is what helps us with our understanding of what you want of us that we then may, by your grace, live it out. Lord, we just pray that you convict us uh, this morning of that truth. Lord, that you will um, cause us to just live in such a way that, um, you know, we're, we, just that we love you and, and that we honor you each and every day of our lives. Lord, and also as we uh, continue to worship you in song, Lord, that we also worship you in giving, Lord. You know, if we understand what the Bible says about your provision and how you are the one that provides for us, really giving, Lord, is just us giving back what you've given to us. Lord, as we understand that truth, Lord, help us understand that truth, Lord, that as we give to you in a worshipful manner, Lord, it is just simply showing and displaying, Lord, that we trust in you and that we love you. Lord, so bless the giving this morning. Bless as we sing this last song, Lord, and bless us, Lord, and uh, may we just do this all to your glory. In Jesus' precious name.